Welcome to the 30-Minute Hour. It's the weekly podcast where we discuss business, sports, politics, and whatever's on our mind. I'm your host, Eric Twiggs. I'm your procrastination prevention partner. I'm also the author of The Discipline of Now, 12 Practical Principles to Overcome Procrastination. Joining me as always is the super CEO, the business strategist extraordinaire, and all-around good guy, Ted Fells. Good evening, all. All right. So, so we, we have a special guest, and you know, productivity and overcoming procrastination, that's like my favorite thing to talk about, period. So I'm, <laughs> I'm really looking forward to this episode. <laughs> And we'll introduce my, our guest here shortly and find out, you know, some things we can all do to become more productive during this pandemic. But, uh, but Ted, I feel like, like I've been seeing and talking to you like every single day. We, we've man, had a lot going on. Man, we've been live for just about everything. Right. I think I was make, I think I was making breakfast the other day and we went live. So we've been live. <laughs> on we live on scrambling eggs and cheese. We've been live. <laughs> Or everything, yeah. Like, no, cool. Ted isn't frying some eggs and talking to us. That's right. <laughs> and put more cheese in that. Put more cheese in it. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. No, but it's been busy. You know, we did uh, a special bonus episode uh, last Tuesday of the 30-minute hour. Uh, we had Lane Kowoka. I'm going to talk more about him in a little bit because it kind of ties in. Some of the things he shared ties in what we talked about today. We also did the... 30 minute hour live on lockdown. You know, that's our show every Wednesday at six o'clock where we have comedians and a DJ and it's fun and entertainment. It's, it's the, la the lighter side of the, the lockdown. It, it was really, it was out of control. And it, would you say that's a good way to describe it? It was out of control, Ted? Out of control. Yes. Good time though. It's much yes, fun it's as you have. As much fun as you can have while quarantined. So it was a good time. Absolutely. Absolutely. And then, Ted, you and I, we are a part of a, a special movement. That's right. Off. It's, it's the What Now movement. Mm. And that's where we get together and, and we share resources and best practices and we collaborate and talk about, you know, how do you overcome those crises? Because this... Ted, believe it or not, this isn't the last crisis we're ever going to see, right? Yeah, not even not even the first crisis we've seen. Right, so things have happened before. You know yeah. that we've had with the gas crunch, we've had the economic meltdown back in with two thousand and eight. Now we've got Corona. Next, it'll be something else. So, the, so the real question isn't you know what what's going to happen. The question is, okay, what now? Yeah. Right. So your job yeah. situation has changed. What now? You know, you have to change how you're doing business. What now? So we'll talk about that. You know, we've got a Facebook page for the What Now movement. You know, this, the Saturday, the 16th, we're doing the What Now Summit, where we're having from 10 to 3. People can go to the page and register. And we've got people talking about how to become pandemic proof as a business okay. owner. You know, how to write your next book. You say you're bored. Why not write a book? Hey, we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about how do you make business pivots? How do you secure your mental health and what, what practices? I mean, we're just a, a packed agenda. So hopefully people will join us 
uh, coming up. So see, the longer that we stay locked down, we're gonna just come up with more content, more going live <laughs> type of solutions. So I'm telling you, we, we're not just sitting around we're just gonna make the most of this time and, and we're all gonna gonna come out of this thing better. So we're excited about the, the what now movement uh, on Saturday. So hope you can I hope you all can join us. Absolutely, absolutely. So we were talking briefly about the last dance, and you know, today we're gonna talk about productivity, but one of the things that I took from yesterday's episode was how Michael Jordan was getting his teammates to be more productive. <laughs> you know, yeah. he, had some, he had some unique uh, productivity methods. Oh, yeah. Ask, ask Steve Kerr, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so he definitely uh, has some ways to um, mentally, you know, get his folks to be productive and, and physically if necessary, I think is, is what, uh, what it sounded like uh, from, the, from, the, from the, uh, the show. Yeah, I mean, they, they felt a sense of accountability for sure, because yeah. if you play with him, you, you had no other option. Uh, but but he kept everybody accountable. So, so I mean, that's that's really the bottom line. So, so as you can see, that this is not your everyday podcast. And those of you that are watching us, feel free to type into the comment section. You can say hello. You you can you know make comments. You can put questions in as we go. Uh, but you can also Find us on our website, the30minutehour.net, where you can see the library of all the past shows. You can see videos that we've done from the past and see everything that we've got going on. So, Ted, I've got something that's on my mind. Please, Eric, share what's on your mind. I know, I know, Ted. You're on the edge of your seat, so I'll go ahead and tell you. I've got something on my mind. So, in honor of our guest today and in honor of one of my favorite topics, we're going to talk about becoming more productive during a pandemic. Mm. That's right. Becoming more productive during a pandemic. So let, let's do some math. We're going to do some math, Ted. Let's see if you can figure this out. So three frogs, they're sitting on a log, mm -hmm. right? So one decides to hop away. How many frogs are left? So three frogs and then one decided to hop away. Mm -hmm. Well, one hopped away, that means there's, uh, there's two frogs remaining. Hmm. Now, so yeah. here's the answer. There's still three frogs. Mm. Let me let me explain to you, let me explain to you why because the one he only decided to jump. Okay. okay. He didn't actually jump. He had made a decision. He didn't do anything. He just made a decision. So he failed to execute. Mm. So basically, he stayed stuck in the same place. Okay. He only he only decided in his mind. You know, he he didn't start moving. So so that's okay. the key. So now don't get me wrong, Ted. The, Deciding is a critical step in this whole process, but it's not yeah. the only step, you know? Okay. So, so, so here's the key. And here's the reason I told you that story. Here's the key to becoming more productive during a pandemic. And again, this is where you want to leave the kitchen and go to the living room, get off the treadmill, mm -hmm. sit down. So, so 
the key to becoming more productive is that you must make the jump from deciding to doing. Mm. Okay. Right? You have to make the jump from deciding to doing. So for example, you know, some of our followers, or you, you may have decided to start a business. You've decided to start a podcast. Mm. You've decided to write a book. You've decided to lose weight. You've created a vision board. You, you're meditating now. You, you're repeating affirmations over and over again. You're lighting candles. All those things are great decisions and great ideas. But here's the sure. thing. Nothing will happen until you take action. Mm. Nothing will happen. And people think I don't like vision boards. I love vision boards, but you have to take action. Just sitting around thinking about it isn't enough. And, and, and so like our, our previous guest, Lane Kawoka, you remember him from Tuesday? He had said something about this 10, 20, 70 ratio when it comes to personal yeah. development. And I was doing some research. It's actually, I saw something on the, the Center for Creative Leadership and they talk about this. And I think if you kind of, if we can keep this ratio in mind, it'll help us to understand what it takes to really develop and to really get what you want. So 10% of your personal development comes from books and education, right? Educating yourself. Yeah, 20% comes from your people, you know, networks, mentors, and that's another 20%. But the 70%, and again, this is according to the Center for Creative Leadership, 70% comes from real world application. Yeah. Getting out there and doing it. Getting out there and making mistakes. Taking the next step, moving forward. So the key, and I'll bring on our guest, is shifting the focus from deciding to doing can cause mm. you to leapfrog your competition. <laughs> and that's what you want to do. You want to leapfrog exactly. your competition. Exactly. Because people mm. get stuck in decision mode. So if no, you're taking if you're taking daily actions, that'll push you ahead of most people. Oh yeah. And, well, and you'd, then, be, you'd be surprised at how many meetings that you can participate in where they don't really talk about action. Right. right. They just talk and, and the people will leave a meeting and say man that was a great meeting man I mean it was awesome that was an awesome meeting man just great information great dialogue then what's the what, what what's the next move we don't know we'll talk <laughs> about that at the next meeting but it was a great a great meeting yeah right? we don't know so, but it was great that's right yeah and the funny thing when you're in a training session or a meeting everything seems achievable right mm. It's all doable when you're sitting there in the classroom. But oh, then when yeah. you get out into the, the real world, the challenge is if you're not intentional and focused, nothing happens. Absolutely. Hmm. So, so very important. I, I just thought that was critical, especially in light of our guest today. I mean, he's a productivity expert. Um, he can help you to move from deciding to doing. Um, he's an authority on execution He's a productivity expert. He's known as the get it done coach, the excuse killer, hmm. and the productive podcaster. I, mean, I thought my little thing was, I mean, that, 
You got yeah, I three. Thought, I, thought, I thought we were the productive podcasters, but I guess. <laughs> oh, he's got it. I want to talk to him about All this right. thing. So, so he shared his unique brand of productivity genius with companies like Metro Public Adjustment, uh, the National Black Mastermind Group, and Primerica. Uh, he's also the author of several books, including mm-hmm. Why Didn't You Get It Done, Fifty Shades of Wealth, and mm-hmm. A Call to Action, which he has used to help elevate the productivity of the high-level business people that he works with. He's got a strong media background, be it radio, print, and television, with a stint at CBS Sports and its affiliates. Mm-hmm. And he's hosted several radio shows and podcasts, including the Black CEO Morning Show, Lunch and Learn with Chris and Barrett, and Revenue Radio. Uh, He's one of the world-renowned Black Belt speakers. Mm. And he was dubbed as one of the original stage crushers, along with Delatoro McNeil. Now, he's committed to showing executives how to start and grow any business productively mm-hmm. with any product, any service by you utilizing media with his creative insight and unique way of seeing the larger picture. So please mm-hmm. join me in welcoming to the 30 minute hour. Oh, wait, wait, I'm sorry. Hey, I left something out. Oh boy. He's oh, a boy. proud graduate of Hampton University. <laughs> so I guess that's guest number 254 from Hampton <laughs> University that we've had on here. Okay, if you happen to be keeping score. All right. <laughs> but please join me in welcoming to the 30-minute hour podcast, Dr. Barrett Matthews. Hey, right. how you doing, Eric? How are you What's up? How y'all guys doing? And we're good, man. Good to meet you. Same here, man. Same here. I didn't know who you were introducing for a second now. But uh, <laughs> well, you yeah, said st- you said you were the, the stage crusher. Was that what you said? Delatoro McNeil. He, uh, do you, do y'all, are y'all familiar with him? Yeah, I know him. Yeah, Delatoro. He has an event called uh, Crush the Stage, mm. and where he coaches and trains speakers. Delatoro is a world-renowned speaker, yes. and mm. he's one of the top award-winning Hall of Fame, all that. But he has an event called Crush the Stage. And I was in his original class as, as a stage crusher. All right, wow. all right. Awesome, awesome. Yeah, well, it's, it's definitely an honor and a privilege to have you on our, our show I'm this week. Honor to be here, man. So, so you know, I, I've been watching you. I, I've seen you at conferences. I've seen Same you here. being the, the super coach and not these other things. So, so tell me about your journey. Did you always know that you'd be doing what you're doing now? Heck no. <laughs> <laughs> No, as you mentioned, I'm a proud graduate of Hampton University, and at Hampton, I started out, and those at Hampton know what I, what I mean when I say this, I started out as an architecture major, and yes, and then I went into mass media arts, still had no intention of doing this. Um, I got into, I wanted to work in television, and I did. I worked in D.C. at WSA-TV, being assistant director there. Uh, moved up to New York, worked for CBS Sports. Uh, I was production assistant and research there. And then corporate America hit me right in the mouth. That's when mm-hmm. they said, oh, oh, we don't want you no more. Bam, you're fired. Mm-hmm. Now, I, it's funny because I had a teacher at Hampton tell me, you haven't worked in television until you've been fired. 
<laughs> so that's how I took it. I said, okay, I work in television now. But it was hard for me to get another job. So I actually was introduced to the network marketing industry after that. Funny because the um, lady who recruited me, her daughters went to Hampton with me. So <laughs> that's actually what gave me the credibility to, to, to join them. And what she taught me was the importance of showing up on time, the importance mm -hmm. of being accountable, the importance of holding other people accountable, the importance of not giving excuses and not taking excuses from people. And it was ingrained in me. And so did everywhere I went. And of course, and Eric, I know you know this more than, more than most. People think that you're just hard. <laughs> people think, God, why don't you lighten up a little bit? But it's just who I am. And that translated into everything else I did. So after I left that company and started my own companies, I was still doing the same thing. I was working with a group of people one day still in, in, in another network marketing company, as, as I mentioned it. And someone saw me and they said, man, you need to be some type of uh, action or productivity coach or something. I still <laughs> didn't know the first thing about doing it. And he said, yeah, you need to do that. You need to write a book. And I'd never written a book. Now I'd always been good at writing. I was a media major. I was good at writing, but I'd never written a book before. So I said to him, he knows I always tell the story. I said, what do I need to do? He said, well, first just do an outline of like what chapters you want and you know, how many chapters you want. So I saw him the very next day and I said, okay, I got those chapters done. And he started laughing at me. I'm like, why are you laughing? He said, I just want to bet. Like, what do you mean you want to bet? He said, I just bet Keisha that you would have this done the very next day because that's just how you do things. And mm -hmm. like I said, it's how I didn't think anything differently. That's just who I am. So mm -hmm. then came the writing of the book. Well, I wrote the book in six days and, and on the seventh day I rested. So, but, but, but I mean, and I figured if I'm going to write a book, cause that was my book. Why didn't you get it done? I figured if I'm going to write a book about being productive, I got to be productive in doing it. Mm. So I, I did it. I did it in six days. And, uh, it, you know, that, that's just how I got into it. And the, you know, the story of how it came to be. And I started just coaching and teaching on that subject of, not procrastinating and being more productive so that because you know, I deal with a lot of business people and if you're going to be profitable you got to be productive hmm. so Barrett have you found that like most of the population isn't like that <laughs> you're joking right <laughs> yeah um we're definitely a small percentage um <laughs> yeah, and that's to your question. Yeah, they're not they're not like that. Like I said, they think of us as the weird ones. Why don't you lighten up? You're so hard. You, yeah. you take it easy on people. And I'm like, I'm a nice guy. I'm not mean to people. I just expect you to do what you said you were going to do. Yeah. What's wrong with that? And, and and like it's so refreshing for me, like to work with Ted and to work with like Dr. Sharon and. Because we're all like that, yeah. You know? Right, right. <laughs> and it's it is very rare you get a group of people, and and you know, I'm like you coming out. I'm thinking that I'm normal, but I'm me. <laughs> but it's not everybody's like that. Nah, man. Nah. <laughs> nope. Yeah. They're not. They're not. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of a lot of people, again, they like to talk about stuff, right? But then yeah. that whole part of just like that moving part. 
Yes. You know, you'll sit there and talk about how awesome the idea is, how great it is, and it's gonna be so spectacular. We're gonna we're gonna change lives and everything is gonna move, <laughs> and then it's like you're stuck, right? Well, even the Bible you know, talk. I even I even find myself now in having like these virtual calls with people, mm. and I'll just and I'll just pull up uh, I'll just pull up a document because mm-hmm. I want to start typing right then. So okay, so what are we gonna do? Uh, how do we stop this from being just talking? And right. and then by the time we come out, there's some actual actions that they come from. And then people, whenever they do that, wow, that's so spectacular. No, it's well, it's, it's kind of like what you said earlier, Ted. It's kind of like what you said earlier about it was a great meeting. Because uh, yeah. I think what people are looking for in a meeting is to be able to get say what they want to say. That makes it a great meeting to them mm-hmm. if they get to voice their opinion. But there are no action steps. Oh yeah, and, I, and I'm the main one that I can. I've been to those great meetings, and I say, okay, hold on, before we go, what what we gotta do next? Yeah, because I don't want to have to call another meeting just to have another meeting. <laughs> right. Yeah. Or, or the big thing, like I always ask, so so what are your takeaways? You know, what, what, this is great, but what are you going to do? What what are three things you're gonna do? Right. Yeah. Right. And another yeah. thing that I'll do from time to time is just in the beginning ask. Okay, what would success be like? You know, what what are we expecting from this? Like, the, the, for us to know this was a successful meeting, mm-hmm. what did we do, right? Mm-hmm. Which is similar, I guess, what you just said, right? but in a different way. But yeah, that's, that's good. Basic. I like that. That's yeah. good. Absolutely. Might have to use that. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Barrett, it, knowing what you know now, if you could go back into a time machine to when you were at Hampton University as a sophomore, let's say. What advice would you give yourself based on what you know now? I got to keep this clean now. Uh, <laughs> we had some fun at Hampton. But um, I would actually invest more. Invest more. And don't rely so much on, and I hope I don't hurt anyone's feelings when I say this, but don't rely so much on the, the book knowledge. Yeah. Rely on, because there's some, there some very brilliant people out there that aren't teaching you from a book. Right. They teach you from life experience. They teach you some things that, but see, keep in mind, I was brought up in a time where it was taught the more school, the more education you have, the more successful you're going to be, the more money you'll make. Those days are gone. Mm-hmm. So it's like, you know, if I could go back now, I would, because I know a lot of people right now who are very successful who didn't even finish school. Right. So and it, and it doesn't mean that they're not intelligent. They're very intelligent. So it's, that's, those, that's one of the things that I would say, don't rely so much, not, not that it didn't help me, but don't rely so much on the book knowledge and you know, take, take the time or the classroom knowledge, I should say, and take the time to learn from experience and from reading on your own and learning some things on your own. And of course, invest more. <laughs> Absolutely. But it's funny, like, you know, in school, I know I was always told, oh, you have to, GPA is everything. Yep. You know, when you, when you get out, they're going to look at your GPA and if it's not where it needs to be, you're not going to be able to get, get a good job. And right. That, that's how you're, you're conditioned. But when you get out, you find out it's completely different. It's completely different. It's funny. When I was at CBS, there was a gentleman, um, Bernardo. He was out of Atlanta. And, you know, his resume, gone to Morehouse College. He had worked for a, a local TV station in Atlanta. He was up there working with me side by side me at CBS. Come find out later, he never even went to college. Hmm. Wow. But he put it on the resume because that's what they wanted to see. Mm. You know, and he could still do the job just as good as anyone else. Well, wow. they, they wanted to see that college thing on, on his on his resume. And it's so interesting that we had been, like you said, conditioned to that. Yeah. And we and we 
and we don't recommend anyone do that, but <laughs> <laughs> I just <disclaimer. laughs> right, right, right. We don't recommend anyone do that, but no, definitely. You know, some some of my top employees over the years have been employees that, you know, didn't have a degree. They just needed an opportunity and they worked even harder than some that yep. had the accolades on a resume and those individuals that, you know, that just, you know, didn't didn't give that same level of effort because yeah. I guess they thought that just having yeah. those degrees and accolades was enough. I've always contended that a, a, a college degree tells an employer that you can be trained. Mm. Because how many people do we know with a degree that aren't working close to the field that they went to school for? Right. right. So it just tells they, that you can be trained. That's all it tells them because it doesn't mean that you can do that particular job. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Right. Okay. So so Barrett, so you work as you're a productivity consultant. So describe who's your ideal customer and how specifically do you help them? Well, my ideal customer is usually that entrepreneur or an executive who wants to get to another level, another crowd, but doesn't know how to get to that group of people. Doesn't even may not even know where they are, but doesn't know how to get to them. So what I do is I have basically forged together my experience in working in productivity with my experience in working in the media. And I've put together a program to where I help them to create podcasts that actually can reach more people without having to spend money on ads and so forth and everything. And it's kind of a done for you type of uh, program that I've put together. Because one, one thing I've learned, Eric, is that I've been teaching for years to get things done, get things done. And I realized people don't want to get things done. People <laughs> want to have things done. So what I've created is a program where they can have things done for them. That way, all they got to do is focus on what their gift is and let me take care of the rest for them. So that's can, what I think. Can you go back over that again? You, you said people don't really want to get people don't things, get done. things done. They want to have people things. Can you explain that? Because I agree with you, but go ahead, go explain that. <laughs> the, the best way to, to put it is a, a, a friend of mine, he, he coined a phrase that said the biggest commodity in the world is convenience. Mm. people would rather have something already done for in his example he used to use he said let's say you have a taste for macaroni and cheese you go to the grocery store you pick up the box of macaroni you get the big thing of cheese you get the milk and you, you give me go to the to the front to, to pay and then you see this big red box in the freezer mm. you're like hmm, all i gotta do is stick that in the microwave and it's done people would rather have things done <laughs> to get things done. So now you don't want to make the macaroni. It's already made. All you got to do is just heat it up. And it's good to go. And that's how people, and guess what? People will pay more for that. Mm -hmm. if you think about anything that you, that you got in life, people pay more. I mean, I, I could go to from here to Atlanta. I could drive right now and it would cost me probably less than it would to take an airline ticket. And uh, well, not under COVID circumstances, <laughs> but but if right. I but I can get there, it's more convenient for me to pay more money and get an airline ticket. People would rather have things done. Now I don't have to drive; I can sit back, go to sleep if I want to. Yeah. It's just how we, we're 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 geared that way. We we want to have things done for us instead of doing it. Now, awesome. So, so we're here. We're talking to Barrett Matthews, the productivity expert. Again, for those of you watching this, feel free to like and put your comments. Shout out to, to Rudy Jackson, uh, who's left a comment. But again, we're here on the 30-minute hour podcast. So Barrett, so what are some simple steps that the entrepreneur can take? If, if 
if he wants he or she wants to be more productive, he wants to, if he actually wants to get more done, what, what are some simple things they can do? Call yourself out on your own excuses, first of all. Mm-hmm. That's, that's the main thing. Stop giving yourself excuses. You have to adopt the mentality that I don't make none and I don't take none. Mm-hmm. Then show up for yourself. Just show up. You will beat 90% of the people just by showing up. I mean, I know a lot of people have put this meme out here. It's a joke saying, oh, I was late getting to work in my living room because of, you know, we're under quarantine. But it's the truth. If you know you need to get to work in your living room, get there on time. Get there early. Make sure that you're doing these things. And make sure that you have something already written down that you need to accomplish by the end of the day. See, here's the thing about productivity. If it's just 1% better than the day before, it's productivity. There's no measure on it. It just has to be better than the day before. So if you can do those things, because I'm not telling everybody to do leaps and bounds right now. you got to start somewhere. If you just take away the excuses, show up for yourself, and just improve just a little bit day by day, those are the steps I give you. Mm. Now that's great. And if nothing else, I, I think by doing what you said, you start to build momentum. Exactly. Right? Precisely. That's it. Yeah. Because now you, you're keeping the promises you made to yourself. You're, I mean, you're starting to... Oh, I can do that. I said I'm going. I'm, I said I'm going to do cardio. I did cardio. This is great. Yeah. Uh, I said I was going to read ten pages. I read ten pages. Oh, I'm on a roll now. Yes. Yeah. And then you want to challenge yourself to do more. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. So now, you mentioned earlier you wrote a book in six days. Mm-hmm. So, and how many pages was this book? Uh, I have it right here. This is the, the book. Why did you get it done? How many pages is this book? Uh, um, 205. So you wrote a 205 page book in six days. You, you just, can, can you talk, talk us through your process? I know we, people, <laughs> I talk to people all the time. They want to write a book and they, they've been writing a book for 10 years. <laughs> you know, it's funny. You said, if I got to tell this story first, after I wrote the book, some, I was at a conference, uh, George Frazier, the Power Networking Conference, mm-hmm. and someone was talking about me in my book. And this guy came up to me afterwards. He said, oh, man, I need, we need to work together. And I said, really? Why? He said, I've been, he said, I've been working on this book on excuses for, uh, for like four years now. <laughs> right. That, that was my response inside. <laughs> and I said, I said why, why has it been taking you four years to do it? And then, of course, he started to give me excuses. <laughs> so, but but the thing is, I mean, it was really just focus. That's all it was. It really was not. It's nothing special. I I I, I knew. I remember, I'd already done the outline of what I wanted. What I wanted these chapters. So then I just focused on each chapter, and I just just did it like that. It wasn't. It wasn't that hard. There were thirteen chapters in the book, and I just you know focused. That was all. I I I, I said every day that I wanted to do something because I'd be. I was excited about doing. It. Mm. I was excited about doing this. I wanted to get it done, and I, I, I and I did. That's all. Wasn't anything special to me, at least. Mm. Like you said, we're different, though. So, <laughs> yeah. So, and speaking of the book, so your, your latest book, which I happen to have the electronic version, mm-hmm. the other version is coming. It's called A Call to Action, mm-hmm. and you use that to elevate productivity. So, so what inspired you to write that? Well, it was actually um, a gentleman by the name of Dr. Clyde Rivers. He, uh, 
heads an organization called I Change Nations, where they actually promote peace and civility all over the world, different countries all over the world. He's actually the ambassador to the Republic of Burundi too. So he, I um, met with him last year at a conference and I was surprised. I, I was there supporting other people and learning. It was a speaker's conference. And then they called me up to receive an award for leadership. I blindsided. So afterwards, I'm talking to him about this. And I still, I'll be honest, I still didn't get the magnitude of it. He was like, you need to do a press release. I'm like, huh? Mm-hmm. And he was like, you know, this is like a, an international award. Dignitaries and mayors and all over from in Africa have gotten this award. And so then it kind of was getting bigger. So he came to D.C. and he and I sat down and talked. And he's like, I want to build an initiative around what you do. He said, and what I want you to do is I want you to write a book. I said, okay, I can do that. And he said, but uh, I wanted to write a book on execution. I said, okay. And he said, but I want you to make sure you're tied into the the international business as well. I said, okay. And he said, what I'm going to do is I'm going to make sure we put this book in colleges in Africa. And now I'm like, are you serious? (laughs) And He's like, and I'm gonna, I'm, we're going to get you an honorary doctorate. I'm like, what? And he's like, you don't know who you're talking to, do you? I said, obviously <laughs> not. <laughs> because you know, I finished the book uh, recently, and he, I let him know it. And then he sent me a, a text with an image of an honorary doctorate in my name. Wow. Then five minutes later, he sent me another text with an image that he had named me a world civility ambassador with, with I Change Nations. I was, yeah, it was humbling. Now keep in mind, this is why we're in the middle of the quarantine. I'm just walking around my block one day and these texts come through and I'm like, I had to stop walking. <laughs> and I'm just like, whoa, I am humbled. But yeah, this, uh, it, it, the book is really just about how to execute in an international business world. And I'm, like I said, I'm still kind of you know blown away by what has come of it. And, it's really just the beginning. So I'm just, I'm just honored by just, you know, when you, you always appreciate it when your work is recognized and, you know, when people think highly of you, I was just, I was blown away by that. I still am, to be honest with you. Wow. So can you, can you, can you share any of that, some highlights from the book for our uh, listeners? Sure. Um, one of the things it talks about is like, you know, if you're, you're trying to do, to get things done in another country, you got to take into consideration what their culture is. Mm. There's a story of a gentleman who, unfortunately, is in jail over there. He came from the U.S., went over to an African country as a speaker. And Mm -hmm. they asked him, you know, what he's going to be bringing when he comes. He said, I'm going to make sure you guys get at least $2,000 worth of value from what I I bring. $2,000 worth of value. Well, when he went over there, they had a packed house of people. They were expecting him to give everybody $2,000. Oh, boy. Wow. And when he was not able to produce that, they put him in jail. Wow. And he's been there for over a year now. Hmm. And so it, it's, it's cultural things. And, you know, it's a, a whole thing with visas and what country, because he, he is from Kenya, but he is an American citizen. So he had hmm. two, two, two uh, dual citizenship on that. So yeah, it was a situation where it got it got real messy, and he's still he's still there. They said he's been beaten and so forth. I feel bad for the man, but things wow. like that, you know, you need to know and be prepared for if you're going to be going to another country to do business. 
And, and so again, so the best way for someone to prepare themselves, like what, what steps, if, I, if, I'm, if I'm going overseas to do business, what, what steps should I take to make sure I'm as prepared as well, I can be? The good be? thing about it in today is that there's always somebody that's been there before you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and find mm-hmm. out from these people what their experiences were. Yeah. Like I told Dr. Rivers when he talked about bringing me over there, I said, I'm not going without you. <laughs> so, so I'm not going without you because you know the ins and outs. You know who to talk to, what you can say, what you can't say, what you can do, what you can't, what you can't do. So I know I'm going with somebody who's been there before and who knows what, where to take me. I'm not mm. going to be boo-boo the fool and just go over there and just, oh, I'm in the motherland, I'm regulated. No, they don't know me. <laughs> so I need to go over there and, with somebody who knows what they're talking about. And I, I, I recommend that for anybody. If you're going to go to, and not just Africa, I'm from any, any place, Asia, <laughs> You're whatever. If you've never been in this place before and they don't know who you are, you're bringing something. You better know what you're going into mm. because you better believe there's a lot of people that got to, to other countries and got a big surprise. Yeah. Good. Yeah. I mean, I, that, that's a unique niche slice of the pie that your, your book is speaking to. So no, I, I certainly oh, that yeah. should do very well. Yeah. Because I mean, you think about it, a lot of us, we'd love to do business internationally. But it, it's not as glamorous as sometimes we make it to be in our head all the time. Right, right. It, it, it also sounds that you can even apply some of that if you're just trying to do, going into business or supporting some, uh, some organizations here, you know, within the U.S., right? Understanding that culture of that organization. Yes. Uh, yes. You know, I mean, yes. you coming in, you know, real... You know, your tight shirt and tie and suit and everything, and then that organization is one that's casual. Very, right? very much. I mean, great. One of my, uh, I'm not sure if you're familiar with Dr. Ruben West. Um, Ruben is is a speaker trainer. Ruben also Ruben's actually the reason I got affiliated with Dr. Rivers. But Ruben has said he said he was at a, I saw him speak one day last year, and he said, speaker, trainer, coach. To get those words out of your vocabulary if you're going overseas. They've heard it before. Mm-hmm. He said they've heard it before. He said you better come with a unique proposition when you when you go over there because they've heard the speaker, trainer, coach before. He said so you better come with something different that that that, that can that can that can help them. That can affect change. And if you can't do that, then stay home. Well, all right. But no, Ted. I mean, that, I think that's a great point as far as you know, even here. Yeah, you, you mm-hmm. need to be understanding yeah. it. And that's something, you know, I would do speaking engagements. I, I would always just try to talk to people just to really get the lingo down and make sure I wasn't saying something that was taboo. Well, and that's, and that's an excellent point because you got to know your audience. Right. You got I've seen so many times where people have come with a canned speech that they want to do. They go to the audience and that's not, that audience ain't there for that. Right. <laughs> you know? So now they're giving us this speech that they already you know, it, I mean, it's kind of like, you know, you're playing football and your team is built to run and you're going to get the strongest run defense. You better know how to throw the ball. Right. <laughs> you better yeah. call some audibles. <laughs> right. You better know how to throw the ball. Yeah. Or even, or even a situation where someone is a is a comedian and they're, mm. and they're, and they're going to a church function. Oh, they need to make sure that even better yeah. <laughs> the type of jokes that he or she may be delivering at that type of a of an activity. Yeah, they won't be in there too long. <laughs> no. No. 
Richard Pryor probably would not have been able to. No, 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 no. Church function. No. So, so Barry, you're also you're known as the productive podcaster. So, so tell us about that. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, here's the thing. I, I I interview different podcasters who are successful. Because I say the productive podcast, it's more of an alliteration than anything. But it's I interview like I'm going to be interviewing you. Sometimes you just didn't know it yet. But I interview <laughs> different podcasters who have successful podcasts to find out what makes their podcast successful. And because it, it could it could be that they monetize it. It could be that they know how to drive in listeners or viewers, so to speak. It could be you know that they make an impact in society with their podcast. It could be a number of different things. But I want to interview them to find out what makes them so. Now, another reason that I call it a productive podcast is because very soon I will be running three podcasts simultaneously. Wow. <laughs> I love to look on Ted's face just now. <laughs> don't 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 give don't give Eric any ideas. Because <laughs> we I was about podcast and zoomed out last week. So don't don't please don't give him <laughs> any any more ideas. Yeah, do you see me writing over here? <laughs> oh man! Yeah, so that's that's where that came from. <laughs> wow! So, so talk, I mean, how are you doing that? So three at, at the same time. Like, how well, are you making that happen? One of them, the the, the productive podcast, the show is one where I'm going to be interviewing different podcasters. I've already started interviewing people, so I got to get you on my schedule. Uh, then. I talked to Dr. Rivers about you know this award and so forth. He said, I want you to do a podcast on civility. Mm-hmm. Well, when the man who is the ambassador of Burundi and the head of an organization called I Change Nations, who just gave you a doctorate and a world civility ambassador recognition, asked you to do a podcast, you do a podcast. So <laughs> so because here's the thing, he's gonna get me the guest. The man knows dignitaries all over the world. That's easy to do that. And then I just said, you know, I have too much content already that is sitting there. And so I can repurpose that. And that's what I'm going to do is repurpose that into another podcast. Awesome. So so what advice do you have for the entrepreneur that's watching this right now? They're thinking about starting a podcast. They've heard people say they should start a podcast, but they're on on the fence about moving forward. what advice do you have for them? Well, the best advice I have is to schedule a session with me. and just, <laughs> Let's just talk about it. Yeah. Because that, that's the, the best thing I, I would tell them to do. Just, let's talk about it because a lot of people put doubt in their head about starting a podcast and we need to flush the doubt out. Yeah, that, that's the, the thing. And they, they, they always, they form these distractions about, you know, this, I can't do it because of this. I can't do it because of that and stuff. And I always say, you got to doubt your doubts and distract your distractions. So let's have a talk. That's the best advice I have. And so ultimately, like, as you're helping people, you you help them to set up their own podcast. So, mm-hmm. so they help. say, hey, Barrett, I want to start a podcast. I'm all I yours. Help me out. Up. I have to set it up. Basically, I make it so all they have to do is record themselves doing their, with their content, send it to me, we do the rest. Hmm. Okay. So Eric, where was Eric? Where was buried at last year when we just sat? 
we just jumped out there and just started. But you did it though. That's the thing. You jumped yeah. out there. Yeah. <laughs> and then we and then we figured some and then we figured some people would be interested in hearing what we gotta say, even if you know you you gotta call them and text them and email them and your family and you're like, can you please just sign on and just listen to us for a while and then after a while they <laughs> but figure. Eric I mean but Eric and Ted, but you, you guys jumped out and did it. That that's yeah. the thing. It, a lot of people won't do that. So yeah. you did it. And see the thing about it that you learn as you go to get to improve on certain things. I was telling people, you know, you, you go to get your driver's license and after you, after you have driver's aid, you got two hands on the wheel, then all of a sudden the more comfortable you get that lean a little bit, <laughs> you know? So it, it just, it, you get there and, and there's no telling when it happens, but you feel comfortable. And you know, and kind of what Tim saying, you know your audience. If, if, you, you, don't, you may not know them at first, but after a while, you know your audience. And then it, it, it comes, but it's not something that happens overnight. And I think that's what people are looking for. If they don't have a lot of people listening all at once, oh my God, it's a failure. No, it's not a failure. But you know, it's, you know, it's interesting. I mean, you know, we, you know, we listen to people on like sports talk radio or watch these different shows on television with just groups of people just talking about whatever the yep. subject matter is. And then Eric and I and you know, Britain and others, we'd get together at the sports bar and just talk about whatever. And we felt like, hey, well, you know, we feel like we feel like we have something